Welcome to PR360, where every week the brightest minds in public relations, communications, and media discuss the topics and trends you need to know about. PR360 was produced in partnership with Global Results Communications. Now here's your host, Todd Perry. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to PR 360. We have another great guest this week, and that's Sean P. Walshef, who is the founder of Cali Barbecue Media, and he's a podcast host, business coach, and proud dad. Since opening Cali BBQ in 2008, he has grown his San Diego era. San Diego area chain to six locations and developed a global brand through the power of digital storytelling. Recently, Walshef's restaurant influencer show on Entrepreneur has reached over 12 million fans in just one year. Uh, I'm happy to introduce Sean P. Walshef to PR360. Uh, is there anything I missed in your bio, Sean? <laughs> no, absolutely not. I'm, I'm grateful to be here. Thanks for having me. Well, you know, uh, before we get into the uh, heavy, important business stuff here, I, I got to say I was doing my research and I went through your Instagram page and I did find something a little bit upsetting. Um, <laughs> Good. I found that you are a uh, diehard Los Angeles Chargers fan and... As a Las Vegas Raiders season ticket holder, I was like, "Oh no, this is going to be a little tough. We've got we've got the enemy at the gates here uh, on this podcast." Fair enough, fair enough. I am an unapologetic San Diego Chargers fan that is now a Los Angeles Chargers fan. So happy to happy to get into super fandom and what that means in a sports sense. But you know, more importantly, it's it's kind of how I live my life. It's how I live my business. It's why we are so deep in the barbecue business and in the media business and why I'm excited to talk to you today. Awesome. Great. Well, I'm, I'm going to go the same way. I'm going to go. Actually, I'm a Los Angeles Raiders fan that happens to go to games ah, in Las Vegas. Uh, there you go. So let's see here. Uh, you know, just starting off at the beginning, you your business, you proudly serve what you call Cali Barbecue. And what differentiates Cali Barbecue from other places? Because obviously people think of Kansas City, they think of the Carolinas, they think of Texas, um, and they kind of frown upon California. So what are you bringing to barbecue that's going to put us on the map? Well, that that's the exact thing is when we say we do Cali Barbecue, we get laughed at. So we're already we're already in a, in a hole, so to speak, um, because of America. You know, America has a long tradition across multiple different states, multiple different regions of doing barbecue the right way, low and slow barbecue, whether it's in the Texases or whether it's uh, in the Carolinas or whether it's in Kansas City. You know, people have an affiliation towards tastes that they grew up with. And California is a transplant state. We have people from all over, not only the United States, but all over the world that move to this incredible state of ours. And um, when you say that you're doing craft barbecue in San Diego, we get a lot of people that laugh at us. Um, but the good thing is, is if you do it the right way, um, if you lean into the craft of barbecue and you, you know, pick the quality meats and you cook them over the long periods of time, um, you can make believers out of anything. And, you know, for 15 years, we built a business, done over $35 million in sales. We have five locations. We actually used to have six. That was a Viejas location, but we have five, currently five locations. 
Um, and we're getting ready to celebrate 15 years in business. And uh, the only way that that happens uh, is if you put out a great product and you provide phenomenal hospitality. And I'm lucky that I have a team that helps us execute that every single day. Oh, that's great. And then uh, taste-wise, what is the difference between kind of the, the, the Cali barbecue that you're putting on the map here? So most of what we do is Kansas City style. So that's uh, we have deep traditions in Kansas City barbecue. That's my barbecue mentor, Gene Goykachea. He kind of taught us the Kansas City method. Um, we put on amateur barbecue contests. We put on professional Kansas City barbecue society contests. So you know competition barbecue, but served for more people. You know the problem with barbecue is it takes time and it takes expertise. Um, what makes Cali barbecue unique is tri-tip. You know anywhere that you go in the state of California, um, you can hopefully get some phenomenal tri-tip on a barbecue menu. That's something that's very unique to the state of California. Mm. Um, not only that, but for us, we try to simplify our menu. We want to be the the in and out of barbecue. So we don't have a huge menu. We used to have a breakfast restaurant and a, you know, we had steaks and we had salads and we had all kinds of things, but the pandemic really focused us to do what we do best, which is provide quality barbecue um, on your terms. So we leverage technology to get more barbecue to more people. You know, I I like the way that that you're doing that with the shorter menu, because it's almost like when you try to be all things to all people, you're nothing to nobody, right? Um, So I I like that when I go to a place, it's like barbecue. Okay, there's there's four things I want to look at and, and think about. And, and, yep. and that's about it. Um, also, it's interesting you're putting San Diego on the map in terms of a culinary destination, because normally I think when people think San Diego, specifically not even tacos, they say burritos. That San Diego <laughs> is... Fish tacos. Fish, ta- fish tacos and carne asada burritos. Yeah. Uh, there's a place in Mission Hills. It, the, the name eludes me right now. The Cave La Cueva. I forget. I don't know. It's very good. Very good asada over there. But um, So let's see here. So you do the... Uh, a digital hospitality podcast, and then also you do one from for entrepreneur um, called the Restaurant Influencer Show. Uh, yep. As somebody who talks to a whole bunch of different people in the restaurant business, like obviously when I do this show, every time someone comes in to this studio, it I learn a tremendous amount. Uh, what have you learned in doing your shows? You know, one of the, you know, my media mentors, he teaches me that the conversations that we have can move your business forward. And, you know, originally my grandfather, he's the one that taught me to stay curious, to get involved and to ask for help. And really podcasting has transformed our brick and mortar business into a media company. It forces us to be publishers, online publishers of content, of stories, of lessons. And by having these conversations on Digital Hospitality, our original show, um, it's allowed me to have mentors, to literally seek mentorship, seek people that were interesting to me, that were doing something interesting, and ask them how they did it. How did they fail? How did they succeed? And that conversation wasn't just a one-to-one conversation because it was published on the internet. Mm -hmm. Granted, when we first started our show, no one was listening. I mean, not even my wife, she wasn't even listening. But now we've, now we've gotten to a place where we've partnered with Entrepreneur Magazine, we have distribution. So, you know, our show with restaurant influencers, like you said, reached 12 million people in the first year. And I was able to in- interview people like Chef Emeril Lagasse, oh. Chef Robert Irvine, uh, Rob Deerdeck of MTV, so many incredible people that have come onto the show that are now their PR teams are pitching us. Mm 
to come on our show versus us trying to say, hey, please come and listen, you know, please come on our show. I don't, we don't really have a big audience, but I promise you we're going to do a great job, you know, telling your story and then distributing it on the internet to the places that matter. And through all those interviews that I've had, there's been these gems, you know, from celebrities, from millionaires, from billionaires, and from the smallest entrepreneur that things that have resonated with me, you know, kind of like a takeaway. And some of those, I had a gentleman that's in, uh, in restaurant marketing. And what he said was to be the show, not the commercial. Oh. The problem with modern marketing is that everyone wants an advertisement. Everyone wants a Super Bowl commercial for their business. But what really resonates on the internet and what re resonates in real life is to be the show. So, you know, create content about what you do, document what you do in your business and distribute that across Instagram and Facebook and TikTok and LinkedIn and Twitter. Put those ideas, those lessons and stories on the internet, and then you'll resonate with an audience. You know, eventually, in the beginning, no one's watching. And that's why no one does it. That's why so many businesses fail to produce content for social media, because we want to be a commercial. Mm -hmm. Don't be the commercial, be the show, you know, be willing to be uncomfortable, be willing to be a business owner, publish content on the internet about your weirdness. You know, another, another guest, Phyllis Williams Strotter came on my show and she said, the problem is people don't lean into their crazy. <laughs> we don't, we don't lean into our crazy. Why don't you lean into your crazy? Because we feel like we're going to get judged. We're not going to, we're going to lose the big account or our partners are going to look at us and go, why is, why is he making a selfie video and posting? I mean, I literally just posted a video on TikTok where I used a green screen, posted this TikTok video on LinkedIn about an event that I'm going to. But for me, I have a community of people that follow my content. They know that I'm going to be in San Francisco. They know I'm going to be at a restaurant 365 event, which is the top financial restaurant hospitality company they're putting on this event but i've made this video only because i've done all the reps mm -hmm. i'm just telling people what i'm doing i'm not i'm not advertising to them i'm just showing it and when i show up in san francisco people that listen to my podcast that follow me on tiktok that listen to me on linkedin that come in real life they're gonna go hey i'm in san francisco too yeah let me come and see what's happening at this event that's I love the lean into crazy idea. It kind of mirrors. I had a guest the other day. Uh, her name was uh, Sana, and she was talking about how people they need to make a monster of themselves in a way not not to make not not monster and being a terrible person, but just the big, loud, awesome, crazy version of yourself. And that's what people really yeah. latch onto. If I think of yeah. great entrepreneurs that I think that did kind of brick and mortar stuff from my life, it's like, in LA, you have Larry Miller from Sit and Sleep, your mattress is free. And he's, you know, he's this big, loud personality, but you trust him. Um, I wrote a lot of ads for a guy um, named Aaron, California Deluxe Windows is the company. And he goes right out and talks about how he's obsessed with windows. And not just that, but the specifics, <laughs> the specifics of the window, right? Like, I'm sure when, yeah. when people listen to your show, they want to hear specific things about you running your business that they can take from it, or a specific yep. story, or a narrative. But there's got to be, there's got to be, to use a barbecue metaphor, meat on the bone, right? Yep. Uh, yeah. Also, just to back up, you, you said a lot there in the last things. There was a couple of things I made notes on. Also, something I, I think about often is curiosity. And how, how has curiosity been a through line in your life as a creator uh, and a 
you know, businessman and also somebody who likes to meet, make amazing food. Uh, how, how does curiosity play a role in that? So I, I never met my father. I never met my birth father. I was very fortunate that my grandfather, a Bulgarian immigrant, he raised me and he raised me um, in privilege. He raised me in La Jolla, California, a place where, you know, the homes are million dollar homes. I went to private education and he was a medical doctor, but he worked very hard to get to where he was. Yeah. And his life lesson was passing on curiosity to me. Mm. And I remember, you know, when I was 20 years old, I was studying in, in Spain, uh, very fortunate that I was you know, able to study abroad and I was in Alicante, Spain and my grandfather, he traveled over to visit me and he was wow. you know, 80 years old at the time. And our plan, his plan was to go throughout Europe um, from Western Europe to Eastern Europe to help him write his life story. Wow. So he wanted to pass on his story on to anyone from Bulgaria that was willing to read his book about what he was able to do and what he was able to accomplish um, to live this incredible life of privilege. And I remember traveling with him, learning from him, asking questions from him, but watching him. You know, I remember being, you know, like I said, 20 years old and sitting there on the tour bus and my grandfather always had to sit in the front. Hmm. He always had to sit in the front, not because he couldn't hear, because he wanted to be close to the guide. Uh. He always asked questions. He always raised his hand. And it almost got to the point where I was like almost embarrassed. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, he's slowing up the tour, whether we're at the Notre Dame Cathedral in Paris and he's, you know, asking questions. But he wasn't asking questions for himself. He was asking questions for me. Mm. You know, and the more that I realized what he was doing, I realized my obligation as a leader, as a father, as a husband, as a business owner, I need to ask better questions. If I'm curious about someone, I'm not the only person in class that has the question. I'm just the one that has the courage to raise my hand and to publish that question on the internet, to mm. build with an audience, a community of people that have those same questions. And now it's my obligation. It's actually my, my duty to ask better questions of the guests that I have on. I'm very fortunate that these guests that I have on, they've appeared in so much content. All these great podcasters have interviewed them, all these great magazines and publications have written about their life story. I have to go through all of that and figure out what's the question that hasn't been asked. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Cause I don't want to regurgitate a podcast. I don't want to hear, I don't want them to, you know, I've already done this stock, a stock question, stock answer. Right. No, thank you. Yeah, right. Yeah. No, no, that's a, that, that's a great point. And you do know when you're speaking to people, whether they're giving a pat answer or whether you actually ask something that yes. they care about because, uh, the glint goes off in the eye. Oh, okay, that one. That, okay, that's a good one. I haven't got that one yet. Um, hopefully, I'm not giving you uh, stock questions here. Well, you got me to talk about my grandfather, so you 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 win on that. And uh, I mean, there, there's a reason. There's a reason why I do what I do every single day, and uh, I'm grateful for the path that he paved for me. But the fact that I get to have conversations like this, I mean, I can only imagine if the technology, my grandfather passed in 2008, mm. the year we opened up our restaurant. And um, if there was podcasts, if there was TikTok, if there was an iPhone that I could use to record those conversations with him and publish them on the internet, we'd be doing it every single day. Uh, also, when it comes to curiosity, I found that when speaking with entrepreneurs or just in, you know, business meetings with people, uh, the people who really impressed me are the business owners who sit, look at new information, change their mind, and, you know, go with that versus being stuck in, you know, kind of their 
the predetermined kind of bias towards a situation yeah. or how they've always done things. It's okay, new information. I'm going to change my mind and change course, or I'm going to be open to this new information. And I think that has a lot to do with curiosity. Absolutely. Uh, as a food influencer and somebody who talks, uh, talks on podcasts and uh, is a part of a lot of uh, content, what's the hottest food take you've had that has caused the most controversy? Like, uh, quickly, we, on a recent episode of this, I had Gustavo Ariano, um, famous for the Ask a Mexican uh, column, and he his hottest take was that in and out is overrated, which is like, look, <laughs> and I told him, I said, look, you can say that, but not publicly. You know what I'm saying? Like between yeah. California people, look, we, we hold it up in, self, in, in high esteem, but we don't publicly ever disparage in and out. Uh, what's your hot food take that you've taken crap for? Uh, you know, it, it's actually not a food take. It's more of a, a restaurant and sports bar take. And that's oh. as a lifelong San Diego Charger fan um, supporting the San Diego Chargers, even when the vote was passed to not build a stadium here in San Diego. And they eventually ended up moving to Carson and then moving to what is now SoFi Stadium. Um, as the team continued to play well, we allowed fans, we promoted ourselves as we're an unapologetic Charger fan, mm. Charger bar. So as the Chargers were playing in the playoffs, um, you know, back in 2018, uh, they made a run and we started posting content on social media about all of the Charger fans who were in our bar. And a lot of the San Diego former Charger fans who were very upset about the move, um, they started writing Yelp reviews about our business, fake Yelp reviews about our business, saying that we wow. should close our business and we should go up to Los Angeles if we cared about the Chargers so much. And um, <laughs> anybody anybody that knows me know that life is bigger than sports. Um, we welcome all 32 NFL teams. It doesn't matter what jersey you're wearing. Everyone's welcome in our village. Um, we have Raider fans that come and watch games in our restaurant. And all we care about is is the camaraderie that football brings. The the family. I have you know five year old son three-year-old daughter and they love going to the charger games even though we have to drive all the way up to sofi now i wish they were here i wish they were here in our backyard but that take you know literally put us on the front page of the new york times sports section wow. um, when the chargers were playing the the patriots it was such a big story that um the New York Times sent out a writer to our restaurant to cover what was going on. You know, all of these angry San Diego fans, um, you know, putting a lot of bad things on the Internet about about our business. And ultimately for us, we, we leaned into the story. We're, we're, un we're unapologetic for our beliefs and we leaned into our crazy. How about that? I love that. Uh you know, it's very interesting. Speaking of leaning into crazy, uh, was as not not that this is a sports show, but it is interesting that the people in San Diego, many turned on the Chargers after they left and were were, yep. were very upset by it. And conversely, I think people in Oakland, people in Los Angeles with the Raiders, I think given the transient nature of the team and kind of the the politics of getting a stadium built in Oakland and everything, I I saw very little of anybody going. Never rooting for the Raiders again. People followed the team, and it was just like that kind of thing. San Diego, totally different thing. It's also probably baked in the idea that San Diego people have animosity towards LA in a certain way. There's a, there's that we kind do. of we have, a, we have a little we have a little uh, little brother syndrome. Yeah, there's a chip on the shoulder yeah. thing going. I think ma sure. maybe it's a bit of that. Um, 
Yeah, but I always wondered that, and I'm not saying that one attitude is better than the other. It's it's um it's it's just interesting the uh, ire well, I'm, ire human, the people have. Human, humans are interesting. Let's just put it at that. I'm a sociology major, and I'm fascinated with fanatics. I am a fanatic myself. I'm a fanatic of sports, but now I'm a fanatic of business. I mean, there's I'm all gas and no break. So <laughs> if I choose to do something, you're going to get all of me or nothing. <laughs> that's good. That's a that's a great. That's how you get to the end, right? Yeah. Uh, let's see here. Uh, and also looking through your Instagram feed, I noticed that you place a, a true, genuine concern on the happiness of your employees. And what's your philosophy for creating a happy environment uh, for your employees, especially in the restaurant business, which seems to possibly have a lot of turnover or it's a very always seems to be to be an emotional place where people get very close with each other in the restaurant world. I might be wrong about that. That might just be a stereotype. But what's your philosophy for keeping your employees happy? So many people on so many different shows will go and complain that there is a work problem. There is a labor shortage. And I have never said that there's a labor shortage, and I don't believe there is a labor shortage. Um, I believe that leaders have a bad job explaining their mission of who they are and what they do. And the longer that you've been in business, the harder it is to go back to the founder's belief of why are we here and what are we trying to accomplish. And if you as a business owner aren't telling your team on a daily basis or using social media to get the message out, um, it's hard to resonate. And for me, I care about the future of our industry, not just my team, but all of the teams, all of the people that work in food, um, and know that if I can figure out a way to build a more profitable restaurant, I can take care of my team in ways that they've never been able to in a breakfast restaurant concept or a barbecue concept or a burger concept. I mean, that's why we do media. Mm -hmm. We do media because making money selling food is hard. Yeah. It's very hard. Most restaurants go out of business. Yeah. I mean, all of those statistics are, they're there for a reason. And if you Googled our restaurant, you go to 8910 Troy Street and you see where we're located, you would realize why we believe in the internet the way that we believe. All of those lessons and stories of trying to stay in business from 2008 and off the beaten path location in San Diego, learning how to use Google and how to care about our website and how to use Facebook and do all these things that restaurants that were successful didn't do. Now it's positioned us in a place where restaurants are asking us, how do you do it? Wow. How do you do it? How do you make it easier? How do you leverage storytelling? How do you leverage technology to make a more profitable business? And that leads to the next question. Uh, obviously, there's a lot to get into there. But how do you do it? How do you tell the story? How do you choose the stories that you tell through social media? It, it goes back to what we said in the beginning, which is be the show, not the commercial. Mm -hmm. I mean, the problem that we have with media, the problem that we have with social media is everybody and I mean everybody. You can be a solopreneur, you can be a small business owner, you can be an enterprise business owner, you can be a franchisor, you can be a publicly traded Fortune 100 company. Everyone wants social media to be someone else's job. Yeah, it's true. It's your job. You listening to this show, it's your job to be uncomfortable, to prioritize telling stories on the internet. 
we all have a subjective feeling towards the internet. We have, if I say Twitter, all of a sudden you think Elon Musk, you think I don't like that platform, it's stupid, whatever other subjective feelings you have. I say Facebook, you go, I don't like Facebook, I go on there, my mom says all these crazy things, like whatever your feelings are towards Facebook. I say TikTok, people are like, oh, dancing, young person's app. You gotta remove the logo. All it is is online storytelling. It's audio, words, images, and video. That's it. Mm -hmm. That's all the internet is. And it's having the courage to do what other people are unwilling to do, which has given me the opportunity to be one of the 1% of podcasters that actually make money podcasting. People don't do brand deals because they're very difficult to do. Yeah. Very difficult to get somebody to buy into the content that you're putting on the internet. Oh, yeah. There's very creative people right now that are successful at building a YouTube channel, successful at building an Instagram account, successful at making a TikTok video, but they don't know the business side of how do you add value, articulate that value, that media buy, that advertising buy with a brand that actually leads to sales. You talk a lot about kind of the bravery of putting yourself out there or assuming the risk of putting yourself out there. What are some ways that that hasn't worked? And, you know, that you've, <laughs> yeah, that you've, or the brunt it of it. it. You know, to be honest with you, the, I thought in 2008, when we were struggling to pay our bills, struggling to pay payroll, struggling to keep the door open, struggling to keep the dream alive, I thought that if we built an incredible barbecue business, if we provided phenomenal hospitality, if we gave back to the community in a part of San Diego that everyone typically neglects, that legacy media would come and tell our story. Mm. I thought that the news stations would come, the radio channels would wanna have us on to tell our story. Magazines, writers would come, nobody came. Yeah. And because nobody came, we did what other people don't do and that's we got uncomfortable telling our own story. We got really good at using that internet, using Facebook, using video, using Instagram. Now we're using TikTok. Now we're using YouTube. Now we're using podcasts. We don't discriminate how we tell our story. Yeah. We just do it over and over. And now, because we have the skill to do it, now we can tell other people's story. Now it's no longer about just our barbecue story. Our story is about the entire restaurant business. Our story is about other podcasters. Our story is about being a dad. You know, I don't, I, I don't have two different accounts. I don't have, this is my business account. And this is my personal account. I have one life. That's it. <laughs> you get, you get all of me. You get all of my crazy. I love it. I love it. Well, I was a quote I was reading the other day. I forget who said it. And it said, uh, do everything and you'll win. Yes. And lo it looks like that's what you've done. And you're currently winning, Sean. Um, so. We've got to wrap it up right here. Uh, we'd love to have you back. It's been a wonderful conversation with you. Uh, how would you like people to follow you? You're in a, a bunch of different places. Uh, fire yeah. away. We'll put links up on the show. So anybody that's listening, I'm weirdly available. And uh, that is, if you go online, you go to at Sean P. Walchef, S-H-A-W-N-P-W-A-L-C-H-E-F. That's on Instagram. It's on TikTok. That's on LinkedIn. Whatever your favorite digital playground is, I am there. I am available. Uh, my DMs are open. Uh, we believe that every business should be their own media business. The fact that you guys have your own podcast, I can't tell you how far ahead you are of everyone else in your industry. Mm -hmm. I, I acknowledge the work that you're doing. I celebrate the work that you're doing. Um, 
this stuff matters, you know, and the problem is we think, oh, I have to have a partnership with Entrepreneur Magazine to reach 12 million people for anyone to care. Listen, I've been doing it since 2017. No one cared when I first started. Yeah. I had no brand deals. I did this for five years, but the internet isn't going anywhere. Yeah. <laughs> it's 2023. The internet is not going anywhere. And does that mean that TikTok's going to be the most popular thing in 2025? No, but video is not going anywhere. Like, do you have video of your business, of your thoughts, of your ideas, of why you're doing whatever you're doing? Is it on the internet? Is it searchable? If not, probably time to start. Yeah. You know, I was just thinking if there's a story behind the wings I'm eating and the brisket, it's it's much much tastier than uh, if it's just. Well, a, you know. I'll I'll leave you with this. This is uh, one of my close friends, Matt Plapp. I asked. I have another show with him. I have four podcasts, but wow. he told me when he met with Guy Fieri. Um, Guy Fieri, he was talking to him about restaurant owners and why restaurant owners don't use social media. And what Guy Fieri said is, is, you know, when you know the story of the band, the music sounds different. Mm. Yes. When you know the story of what a band's been through, the music sounds different. I love it. Perfect. Also, Guy Fieri, Raider fan. All right. Thanks a lot, Sean. <laughs> Great speaking. I don't hold that against him. <laughs> PR 360 was produced by Todd Perry in partnership with Global Results Communications. Be sure to subscribe to the show and leave a review wherever you get podcasts. Follow GRC on all socials at Global Results. Follow Todd on Twitter at Todd A. Perry. That's Todd with one D. Talk to you next week.